How's it going? It's good. Well, I mean, my life is made of intensity, and last night I drank scotch and yelled too much, and I'm eating Skittles for breakfast, so, you know. Wow. Have you confused uh, intensity with something else totally different? Do you mean your life is made out of poor choices? (laughs) No, quite the opposite. Good morning, Meat Suits and Meat Dresses. Welcome back to Read It Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 69, a number that famously looks like it's going down on itself. Oh. And speak- yeah. Speaking of self-congratulatory things, this week <laughs> we are talking about Decision Points, the memoir by George W. Bush. Decision Points is the second title. Originally it was going to be called, Looking Back on It, I Was Right About Everything. <laughs> Stem cells, perfect. 9-11, handled. Torture, nailed it. <laughs> if for some stupid reason you want to read along with us, you can. You can get the audiobook for free by going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep. Sign up for a free trial, and you can get the audiobook either abridged or unabridged. Absolutely free. Uh, we're reading the unabridged, and we're reading the first third. Let me introduce you to today's panel. First up, he was sentenced to 30 months in prison for obstruction of justice. But his sentence was commuted. Reporting live from Niger, it's Ezra. Hey, did, do you guys know that Alex is actually a, a secret agent? Oh, shit, I did it again! <laughs> <laughs> Just slips out. Damn. Also joining us today, uh, as, as always, he's being evil from a bunker somewhere deep inside the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Chris back to the show. Yeah, they call the other one Tricky Dick. I'm something much worse. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy. Uh, and we have a very special guest today. He went to private school in Maine and then Yale and then Harvard and still manages to be incredibly down-to-earth and relatable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome a very special guest, Andrew, to the show. It's uh, it's good to be here. If I if I hadn't stopped drinking, we'd uh, be in none of this mess. <laughs> <laughs> but this show might be slightly more fun. That's true. <laughs> I thought that was his JFK voice. Yeah, it sounds a bit JFK. <laughs> I've been working all morning on my celebrity impression, but since all morning is the last four minutes, you're not going <laughs> to All right, and of course, I'm your host. I focus only on issues that matter to me, like education and women's health. Men's health be damned. My name is Alex. Hey, Alex. Hey, Alex. I'm your wife, Andrew. Oh, I got it. Oh. I, read that in, I read that in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Summary. Here's where I'm going. Uh, Chris, Yo. I would like you to summarize. Since we were listening to Under- Underbridge, it had a different slight Texas accent. <laughs> and I would like you to do the same for our summary. Go. Okay. This book is about George W. Bush. George W. Bush, as you know, was a 43rd president of the United States of America. He comes from a nice, proud family tradition. His father, who he calls father, but really was his daddy, uh, was went to Yale, <laughs> flew a plane, 
was director of the Central Intelligence Agency and was, in other words, a creepy sumbitch. His mom <laughs> was a sassy, brassy lady. George decides not to drink no more when he's about 40. George decides to like God a lot. George decides to go to Harvard Business School after attending Yale and prep school, even though he's just a good old boy. And then George decides to run for president. And that's the book. <laughs> so here was the part of that uh, summary that really resonated with me. It was the uh, phrase, as you know. That, uh, re- really, uh, this book seems to have been written for people who were like trapped in a Chilean mine or something for eight years during the presidency. Because there doesn't, there doesn't appear to be any information in the book that we don't already know. Yeah, I was just thinking, though, I mean, how great would it be to be those people who've never heard of George Bush or anything that he's done? <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the people in the uh, some kind of tribe in Africa, and they drop the book out of an airplane so they can read it. <laughs> I, the part that resonated with me most in that summary was, uh, he called him his father, but was actually his daddy. <laughs> really important distinction. Well, I mean, the book was translated from the Texan, so things got lost. <laughs> from the original Texan into Wasp and then back into Texan. So. Yes. <laughs> All right. Hey, so uh, we're, we're being totally mean. Before we actually get into the meat of the show, we like to do a compliment sandwich. So we'll have one compliment now and one at the end. Andrew, as the guest, you have the right to go first or last in the compliment round. Which do you prefer? Uh, what's the bar on this? I have to ask because, I mean, like, is, is the bar for compliments like, words in the right order and subject verb agreement or we we raise actually it? here's how it works uh take something that was funny and an insult about the book and then switch i hate to i like <laughs> and say that and right. it turns uh, into a backhanded compliment it's I, a, yeah i will go last in that case okay great yeah just, just follow along you'll you'll get it ezra yeah. you're gonna go first in the compliment round oh god okay <laughs> yeah no i got it my my favorite part of this was uh, kind of a subtle dig at Clinton, I guess. The first thing that Bush did uh, when he moved into the Oval Office was replace the chair, which he said was a bizarre contraption which vibrated when plugged in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this was Clinton's chair. Yeah. Bizarre contraption sounds like it's not even chair-like at all. Like maybe <laughs> you were accidentally sitting on the radiator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Clinton did it on this radiator. It's vibrating, but it's really nice and warm. I kind of like it. I know the whole the whole photos. They have they have all. Oh, you don't guys didn't read didn't read the book. You looked at the you looked yeah. at the audio book. But the photos are they they have all the wrong photos. We need the photo of the chair. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. All right, Chris, my major compliment. There was one point in which I agreed with this book, and that was when. Bush asks us, or when he's describing the process to write a memoir, and one of his writer friends goes, have you ever seen Apollo 13? And I said, <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> I also like Apollo 13. Yeah. No, it made me yeah, feel pretty good because that movie was all right. I'm going to donate my compliment <laughs> to Apollo 13 as well. Yeah. So, and that made me wish that I was watching Apollo 13 instead of reading this book. All right. Anyway, uh, my major compliment is uh, I love that it's a great line. Like It's like one of the first paragraphs of the book where he says, I quit smoking by dipping snuff. I quit that by chewing long leaf tobacco. Eventually, I quit down to cigars. Which is not 
a really great progression from cigarettes down to cigars. Yeah, those got bigger. <laughs> but I also like that he had to hit like ten steps along the way. Yeah, where the tobacco just kept getting longer and later yeah. he'll just be like wrapping tobacco leaves around his fist and lighting it on yeah. <laughs> Punching himself in the face. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to see him get to heroin and hookers. Yeah. Well, that's, that was, well, how do you how is he ever gonna quit cigars? He's gonna have to do something oh, really horrible. Yeah, he smokes tobacco stores. <laughs> Yeah, all right, Andrew, what is your major compliment? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit more uh, conceptual on you, which is that, uh, as you know, the book has this nonlinear structure uh, where it kind of tackles by topic instead of uh, linearly. And I found that really, as I was reading it, uh, vaguely disorienting, which I think put me in the shoes of what it must have been like to be George Bush during those (laughs) eight years. (laughs) It it was about – he he really well captured the mood for you. Yeah, I mean – you know, you're reading, you're reading along, and you know something happens in 2000, and then it just breezes right over the whole 9/11 thing, into, <laughs> and then I threw Paul O'Neill under the bus, and you just, just like kind of completely <laughs> ignores like holy, holy years that happen, and this happens in every chapter, and I, I constantly find myself going, wait, what happened to such and such? You were lucky to have the book in front of you because I actually emailed Ezra and said, did you give me the wrong file? Because it just skipped from 2000 to 2007. If you had a couple of stickers, you could totally turn this into one of those choose-your-own-adventure books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. If you would like to see George torture people, go to page 30. And this was such a bummer when I realized that, you know, I, I thought it was actually clear. I thought, like, I was like, oh, man, we're done with his presidency. Yeah. Thank God, it's over. <laughs> and then it starts again. And then I'm like, okay, this time I'm surely I'm done with it. And then it starts again. That's I really can't dr- get done with him. Yeah, this structure was constantly fucking with my bullshit detector because every time I was like, he's glossing over a lot. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to start using this technique in my own life. It's like, you know. You come home late at night, and your girlfriend says, where were you? And you say, well, I left the house, uh, and then I picked up some milk from a store, and now I'm here. Here I am. And she's like, what happened in the middle? You'd be like, oh, well, I'll tell you that another time. <laughs> I walked in the door of a bar in 1987, and here I am. All right, well, so for the first game that I want to play with you today, I have a, a, a really important game that I want to play called Evil, Stupid, or Crazy. And the way this works is it's so hard to tell when you're reading the book whether he understands what the world is and then does what's wrong on purpose (laughs) or he doesn't understand the world or he misunderstands the world. So I would like us to help ferret out a few different places whether he's evil, crazy, or stupid. And it can be different ones in different pages. It doesn't have to be consistent. So I'll pitch a scenario and you guys help decide which one it is, all right? I'm on it. Okay, good. So my first scenario is he is really disappointed – by political attacks while running for president. Evil, stupid, or crazy doesn't know that politics happens during elections. I'm going to go with crazy. I think it's crazy to think that people are going to find that stuff out. It's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody about my uh, drunk driving arrest because I didn't want my daughters to find out. Because, right. <laughs> yeah, sure, the whole power of the uh, of investigative press, you know, the internet, the media, you know, they're not going to find out as long as my two daughters don't find out. <laughs> the entire press goes through Jenna and Barbara Bush. Yeah. <laughs> that's, their, that's their source. 
Yeah. Hey guys, guys, guys! Did you hear anything? Have you have you seen anything new? How about weapons of mass destruction? What do you think, twins? News twins. <laughs> and like, are they that susceptible? I mean, if they if they find out about the drunk driving, they're going to immediately go out and drunk drive. I mean, all, all the other things that happened during the administration. What else are they going to go out and do? Just, I did hear. I did hear that Jenna was trying to get yellow cake uranium. Yeah, I see. She's going to be disappointed when she tries to execute Saddam Hussein because that will probably her. Anybody else? Evil, stupid, or crazy? I vote stupid. I think it's I think it's a little bit evil. Yeah, so you think he definitely understands the world, but is like he's pretending. Yeah, absolutely. I think that he is fairly intelligent, like on a scale of normal human beings. On a scale of people who rise to be leader of the free world, he's below average. But, <laughs> you know. Here's why I think he doesn't understand the world is because on two different occasions he says, I paid the fine. I didn't drive in Maine for three weeks. So it's okay. And I that's not the problem with drunk driving. The problem with drunk driving is not that Maine County needed $275. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of saying like, Hey man, I ran over your cat and drank a beer from your fridge, but it's cool. I replaced the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the problem. I think you might not understand how the world works. All right, evil, stupid, or crazy. He's talking about Guantanamo Bay, and you know about how it's actually a really lovely prison. Even like the Belgian prison ambassador is like, "Wow, this is a nice prison. I'd hang out here." <laughs> all prisons. <laughs> and he says, uh, one of the things he's describing is their wonderful, cushy life in prison where they're allowed to pray five times a day, and they have a large library that includes Harry Potter translated into Arabic. Evil, stupid, or crazy. It's okay to hold people indefinitely in a secret prison out of the United States so long as we give them Harry Potter. I just think that's, that is cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> I'd rather be waterboarded, I think, than watch Harry Potter. Oh, your fans aren't oh, going to like you. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to bleep you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with stupid evil. <laughs> evil. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with stupid evil because I think he might have been trying to like build an army of, of people who hate America, but he wasn't really effective at doing it. He could have been doing it faster, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and what would you have done to make that go faster? Taking away where he Harry Potter? Harry Potter? Oh. <laughs> Harry Potter? Harry Potter? That was the second most popular video in the library. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would have kept Harry Potter, but I would have gotten rid of the last ten pages of every book. Oh. That would have been really, really annoying. Or just written the ending on a post-it note on, like, page 30. Oh, that's bad, too. Oh, that's how you'd create an army against America. Guantanamo spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, it's I think it's evilly brilliant because uh, his whole deal was always that the, the terrorists uh, secretly wanted the American way of life. And by showing that as soon as we throw them into our prison, all they want to do is watch our movies. It's just uh, he makes a sly point in his book, which he sat down and wrote by himself. Uh -huh. <laughs> all by himself alright uh, evil stupid or crazy the best summary of his presidency in one sentence is we went seven and a half years without a successful terrorist attack <laughs> nailed it 
This is like one of those like workplaces where they have like the days since, exactly. uh, like, since a workplace entry and like the United States thirty four days without an accident. <laughs> and he he points to it and he points to his proud you know device that he's made that records the days since somebody last <laughs> fucked it up really bad. That's all the director of Homeland Security does. Is he just turns the number on that big. <laughs> I like that. Maybe maybe someone sold Bush like a like a stick. Which is like an anti-terrorist stick, and like as long as he holds onto the stick, there won't be any like more attacks on World Trade Center. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, wow, this thing totally works. I'm keeping the terrorists away. That's what the stick does. <laughs> I'm great at president. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I have to think that that for this one, uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna call this one stupid because. He specifically says without a successful terrorist attack, but the shoe bomber got stopped by a flight attendant. That was not your policies. Tom Ridge did not tell that flight attendant to kick ass if she had to. We must all stay vigilant for Homeland Security, Alex. From Tom Ridge down to the lowliest flight attendant. (laughs) But I just think she should get credit. Like, no, there haven't been a successful terrorist attack on any of my flights in all 14 years I've worked here. Because I'm an ass kicker. That's, where is she? Where is her memoir? It's coming. Confessions of an ass-kicking flight attendant. Sit down and shut up. <laughs> Sit down, shut up, and don't let your shoes on fire. The flight attendant diaries. I would read that. <laughs> I'd read I'd read the first part just up until the post-it note. All right. Anybody else evil, stupid, or crazy? I just think it's stupid. I mean, I've gone three minutes without it, uh, insulting Harry Potter fans, but... <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have any other segment, any other moments where they wanted to check and see if something was evil, stupid, or crazy? Uh, well, there's my my favorite quote in the book, which is uh, when he's uh, it's in the middle of the stem cell chapter, and he says, uh, "I learned best by asking questions. <laughs> in some cases, I probe to understand a complex issue. Other times, I deploy questions as a way deploy. to test my briefer's knowledge. If they cannot answer concisely and in plain English." It raises a red flag that they may not fully grasp the subject. Go, go, go! Questions, go, go! It's like you're, <laughs> and they're like skittering across the floor. This conversation needs more question boots on the ground. <laughs> question surge. How? What? <laughs> How? Why? Uh, if a train was leaving Minneapolis at forty-three miles an hour, this is a this is an amazing quote. Uh, I thought for so many reasons. Like for one, he's like taking the time to explain to us how questions work. <laughs> yeah, I got one too. Um, that I want to talk about. Yeah, go for it. Okay, this is uh, also in stem cell. He says, "I was convinced that most Americans agreed we would be better off with fewer abortions," which implies that. That in his mind, some people want a lot more abortion. Really excited about it. <laughs> There's like a big like abortion boom campaign that's just trying to like you know get everyone to have an abortion even if they don't need one. It's like many abortions per person. An abortion every pot. Wait, what was it? In- <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just stick a coat hanger up inside me because I like the way it feels. Gross, 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 gross. <laughs> I'm off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I'm going to want to keep this part because of the pun. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that the secret to getting you to keep a segment? If you say something really gross it's or boring, it's probably going to go unless you follow it up with a delightful pun and then it might stay. <laughs> this is a time when I would like to ask Bush more questions, possibly to understand the issue, 
but also just to see how he can answer. And keep in mind that you want to deploy questions, not ask them. <laughs> Are his questions made out of stem cells? Is that what's actually going on? Like, you, like harvest them from uh, from fetuses or something? Like that? <laughs> to what end? Like, I'm with you so far, but continue. I mean, I, I don't know. A good, a good uh, non-hydrogenated spread. I'm not really sure what the goal is. <laughs> what? <laughs> how did this go from? How did you go from questions to stem cells to butter? I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm glad we just proved that this show is totally unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just throw throw one more in. So, uh, so he's when he's talking about uh, making his Supreme Court uh, selection, there was of course the whole uh, Harriet Myers uh, situation where uh, she was deemed to be uh, the best person for the job, and and also happened to be the person who was leading his uh, his search team. And then when there was a massive outcry from the left, the right, the center, and uh, everywhere else, he said, "I had to get the next pick right." While the idea of selecting a woman still appealed to me, I could not find any as qualified as Sam Alito. <laughs> so he's pretty much just saying, you know, uh, after the person who was in the room next to me turned out not to be the right person, I was like, well, there aren't any other women in the whole country who can do this. I might as well turn to the dude. Yeah. I mean, I just like that anybody who heads his search committee is likely to be selected for that post. <laughs> he, he just, he hates long searches. Who's like, uh, really? <laughs> are you qualified? I feel like he's like, the, like, a, like you fall in love with someone you're working with, even if they're not that perfect, just because you're there eight hours a day. It's like, he, you sp- he spends enough time with someone in the search committee <laughs> and he just starts like gazing into Dick Cheney's eyes and he's like, you know, you, you sound really confident when you read that memo. You sure you don't want to do it? <laughs> what I was expecting is, is well, I, when I turned 30 years old, I realized it was time to settle down and start a family. I asked a woman I knew named Laura to head up my search committee for a new wife. <laughs> <laughs> she was the first woman I saw, and so I thought she must be the most qualified. I, I don't know what she was in raw numbers, but she was a search committee 10. So that's Right, uh, welcome back to the Writer's Workshop. We have a very special guest today. His name is George, and he recently wrote a diary. And he's given it to us to read. Um, it's it's uh, it's very brave of you, George. Thank you for being here. Thanks. It's, uh, it's exciting to meet my fans. Well, well, uh, this is not a it's not a fan club. These are fellow creatives. Um, these are all writers. And since you wrote your book, uh, we thought we would all discuss your writing. Tomorrow you have to read my book. So, all right. Well, uh, if any of the panelists have questions for you about your writing, uh, we'll just we'll ask you a few questions about how you made the decisions you did, mostly the writing decisions, not the destroying the world decisions. Bring them on. Yes, hello. Hello, George. George. Hello. Yes, uh, this is this is Kelly. Uh, you know, I've been in the group, and, uh, you know, last week we read my confessional, Sestina, burning the butter and other dangers of leaving the stove on. 
I have one question for you, George. Uh, you you glossed over your time at Yale, and I imagine that is a magical experience, especially as you were a cheerleader. And being a cheerleader has a lot of, of love and spirit to give, as we've seen in the famous Bring It On movies. Why, why did you leave that out? Uh, well, here's my answer for you. Uh, whenever you're writing a piece of historical fiction, you need to uh, focus only on those pieces of history that are relevant to the story. And uh, while I cherished my cheerleading time at Yale... As you should have, I yes. Felt like, I felt like including that in the book would have made the book far, far too long. I mean, as you can tell, the book is already nearly 500 pages. So I, I left out certain things that I thought weren't crucial uh, to the development of our nation during those seven and a half years of peace and half a year of everything being screwed up. Excuse me for a second. Excuse me for a second. Uh, you did not... I don't want to spoil anything, but are you sure that you didn't include anything about your time as a cheerleader? Uh, because you have this tendency to go back and talk about stuff later that I don't give a shit about. Honestly, I have no idea. Fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. All right, sorry for interrupting there. Uh, my name is my name is Dana Kendrick, and uh, you remember me from last week when we read my angry poetry about the government. I want you to tell me something really important here, okay? This is really important to me. There was a time, you mentioned in your book, there was a serious scare invi involving the botulinum toxin. Uh, and I just wanted you to know, I wanted you to tell me what you thought would have really happened if the terrorists had successfully injected you with Botox. Uh, well, for one thing, uh, I would have gone out on the town a lot more because I would have been a <laughs> slightly more attractive uh, man. Because uh, as you know, the uh, the Botox the Botoxalism is uh, <laughs> is is very very potent, and that's why I uh, I introduced the uh, Botoxalism out of America uh, <laughs> bill, which I called Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, I'm not sure I've ever heard of any youth using Botox. I thought it was an old person drug. Respond. Uh, let me tell you something. I have two beautiful twin daughters, uh, Jenna and Barbara. The news twins? Yeah, I heard and of them. They are, uh, they, when I want to know what's happening with the youth of America, which uh, I define as anybody between the ages of 18 and 64, I just ask <laughs> Jenna and Barb, and they tell me everything that I need to know. Hi, Dad, uh, Jenna, uh, of News Twins, um, <laughs> slash your, your kids. Had a quick question about uh, the news. When you were at um, the Pope's funeral, you prayed for Peter James to get better. He didn't. So are you trying to say that God doesn't care about Peter Jennings, God doesn't listen to prayers, or God doesn't care about the Pope's funeral? Well, here's the thing. Uh, it turns out that there's a lot of dudes named Peter Jennings in the world, <laughs> and I was praying for the wrong one. Oops. So there was a Peter Jennings living in a shack in Arkansas who uh, had the croup who uh, recovered that day. Miraculously. And uh, has gone on to vote uh, to vote uh, the Republican ticket for the last uh, four election cycles. Are you uh, – let me ask you a question. Are you suggesting then that prayer is something that can be easily off target? Listen, when I deploy prayers, I do so in a very targeted fashion. <laughs> You use, like, a GPS coordinates of the person you're praying for or something? Exactly, exactly. Prayer accomplished. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Bush, Mr. Bush, uh, just just one question about this book for you. I, I was I was admiring the writing style in your in your brave confessional work. 
you know, uh, and and the way that you relate to people, such as saying you would smart off and she would let me have it. How did you get to be such a charming some bitch? Well, I think it all comes from uh, from my upbringing, as you know, my my grandfather, who we called, uh, I believe it was Crampy or. Grand crawdaddy or something. Uh, he was a he was a stern stern man. And would I go visit him when I was a small child? And if I would smart off, he would beat me severely. And uh, and it taught me to stay the hell away from him. And I realized that as long as I wasn't in Crampy's house, I could do whatever the hell I wanted to. Mr. President, let me ask you another question. You say clearly at one point that Dick, your vice president, was the Darth Vader of your administration. Really quickly, who was the Chewbacca and who was the job of the hut? That's a great question. Uh, Chewbacca clearly uh, would have to be uh, my uh, second uh, chief of staff, Andy Card, uh, oh. because he would, uh, he would keep people in line. With his uh, scariness, and also, this is a little-known fact about uh, Andy, very, very ha- hairy man. <laughs> Frequently at our uh, at our cabinet meetings, he would just take off his shirt, and uh, we would just all marvel at his uh, Chewbacca-osity, as we say, <laughs> as we say back in Texas. And uh, uh, and what was the second part of your question? Was it uh, Boba, uh, the job of the hut? Oh, Jabba. Job of the Hutt, of course. Uh, not, not, not to pick, uh, split hairs, but I think the job of the Hutt of the administration was probably um, Job of the Hutt, who worked in the uh, Homeland Security Department. Oh, <laughs> uh, that seems like a step down from his previous post as emperor, emperor of some whole planet. Well, slash, uh, dead on his own barge. Oh, he got yeah. Pro- so I guess so we he got promoted from, from, dead. from dead to to the mailroom. <laughs> I guess that's a step up. <laughs> His entire position is like one big long weekend at Bernie's with Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> oh man, weekend at Bernie's with Jabba the Hutt would be so exhausting. <laughs> like 13 people like carrying him around. No, Jabba's fine. We're just hanging out with him. We're his, we're his roadies. <laughs> well, uh... Thank you so much for being here, Mr. President. We really appreciate you taking the time. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm uh, I'm going to go read my book now. I I especially like how you sound like a lovely young woman from Georgia. That's uh, actually I am. That was uh, <laughs> it's amazing what a, a political makeover can do for a person. <laughs> <laughs> So now it's time for uh, our regular segment. We usually follow the compliments with this, but we've put it off a little bit. But this is a game called Hadyland. So you have to move your little hate pieces around the Hadyland board. Try not to get stuck by the evil molasses hate. And at the end, you all have to get dentures. Ta-da. <laughs> Ta-da. Okay, so uh, anybody have a hate they would like to start out with? At one hour and 24 minutes into the unabridged version, George Bush or his ghostwriters write, I also drilled my share of dry holes, and it sent a shudder through my <laughs> entire body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got one, which is that the, this book has an uh, amazing lack of uh, uh, footnotes. But uh, there's one one footnote in the book. Well, there's a couple. 
but uh, there may be maybe five footnotes in the whole book. But one of them, inexplicably, is uh, he's talking about uh, uh, John Kerry event where John Kerry says uh, that uh, people like Christopher Reeve will get up out of that wheelchair and walk again. And then there's a footnote that explains who Christopher Reeve is. <laughs> it's like he doesn't bother to like footnote any other aspects of the presidency, but you know, heaven forbid you should be reading this book and not know who Christopher Reeve is. <laughs> That was over one Superman ago, so I... (laughs) (laughs) So, Ez, I saw your... uh... You were updating everybody on your playlist from your Audible books that you've been listening to recently? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm just, um... I'm starting to really get excited about all these books that are going to be coming out about people who have never done anything wrong like Bush. Oh, yeah. That sounds awesome. What's, what sort of things are you looking forward to in that category? Well, I mean, you know, I, I just, I really like it when, when people just say how great they are. So I'm, I'm stoked about the, uh, you know, very topical uh, Tanya Harding book that's coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty fresh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a good get. Uh... Michael Vick, sometimes dogs just don't like each other. <laughs> Bernie Madoff, a pyramid is structurally sound. <laughs> um, how, how about Paris Hilton's that sex tape added to my credibility? <laughs> well, has that sounds that sounds great. There's a lot of good things coming up from Audible. Yeah, have you like have you heard about the uh, new book coming out by the uh, the tag guy? The tag guy. Yeah, you know, the deep voice guy usually cuts us off when we're not funny anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the tagline guy. Yeah. I thought there was, like, a guy famous for inventing the game Tag or something. <laughs> I was late for a very good reason. Audiblepodcast.com slash read it and win. <laughs> <laughs> what was your reason, deep voice guy? Read my book to find out. One week free trial of audible.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that brings us to the second half of our compliment sandwich. Uh, so we're going to go in reverse order of the way we went at the beginning. Andrew, you will go first then. All right, well, uh, I'm going right to the beginning of the book. During his introduction, he says, uh, Throughout this book, I describe the options and I, that I weighed and the principles I followed. I hope this will give you a better sense of why I made the decisions I did. Perhaps it will even prove useful as you make choices in your own life. <laughs> and I realized this is actually a self-help book, and from now I'm going to be living my life under the philosophy of what would George Bush do. And if I make the wrong decision, I just don't count that as part of my life. <laughs> the I'm going to give it to me philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let me have it. Yeah. Also, Daddy has a lot of money. Yeah, well, that that would be very helpful too. Like the the... I'm going to not do very well at a lot of things, and it'll still work out. That's kind of a... Yeah, I like that. That was my favorite part of the book. It's like, well, I uh, I didn't have any money, and the whole uh, drilling thing wasn't working out. And I was kind of kicking around from job to job, and then I bought the Texas Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a oh, minute! Oh, yeah! <laughs> I know how that happens. I, yeah, I accidentally bought a hockey team a couple years ago because I couldn't think of anything else to do. Of course. <laughs> 
Although, in fairness, with the NHL, you probably could buy yeah, a hockey could. <laughs> <laughs> How are you even a sport? <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, my minor compliment is that before he threw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium, he had a little FaceTime with Derek Jeter, and Derek Jeter told him, throw from the mound. If you throw from in front of the mound, they'll boo you. And don't bounce it. They'll boo you. And I want to compliment the New York Yankees fans for having the balls to boo a sitting president of the United States for bouncing a ceremonial pitch 10 days after 9-11. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, I actually found a YouTube clip on this. I was interviewing both of them about this. And um, they had some, some like little clips about when it actually happened. He was wearing a bulletproof vest, which I don't think was actually about 9-11, but just about the Yankees fans. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Uh, Chris, what is your minor compliment? My minor compliment is not about George W. Bush at all, but it's about his father. Oh. Uh, he describes his dad as having a great sense of humor. And what his dad does in order to uh, get people ready for his humor is that he gives jokes a rating of 1 to 10 before he <laughs> deploys them. So he has things like he emails his son jokes, and he's like, this one's about a four and a half. But <laughs> attachment below. <laughs> I like that he's just emailing jokes that he hates to, to his son. Right. Just this to waste not his funny. son's time. This one's terrible. This one's not good, but I can't not press the forward button. <laughs> I, I would pay any amount of money to have this feature built into Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ezra, what is your final compliment? I guess this is a compliment to uh, to Putt Putt Golf. Oh, um, Nice. <laughs> yeah, for a couple things. I mean, one, it's so awesome that it can withstand an endorsement by George W. Bush. Uh, Fair. But also, it does show that, you know, that putt-putt golf is so fantastic that a very brainy librarian uh, like Laura Bush could fall for an idiot because of the magical sway of, of hitting <laughs> small balls with tiny sticks. I, she, he also... Doesn't he insult her short game? Yeah, he's like, her short game needed work. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, isn't, that the, isn't that the whole of putt-putt golf also? Is there really any long game? Is there really any driving? She was about 250 yards off the tee. Unfortunately, that <laughs> put her out into the parking lot next to the wiener schnitzel. All right, that is it for our show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will be back next week with part two of three of Decision Points. We will also uh, be back again with Andrew. Don't forget, suggest us a topic if you want something that, for us to read or watch in the future. Go to read-weep.com slash suggest. We're especially looking for the worst holiday specials or movies of all time. We're going to do an entire month dedicated to bad holiday-related junk. We're calling it December. Oh, that's, that's on the horizon. So get in there and vote for your favorites and suggest things. And be sure to sign up for our mailing list uh, by going to readweepcom slash subscribe. If you do that, we will send you free Read It and Weep swag. We have some swag, and it's pretty awesome. So uh, sign up for our mailing list, and we will remind you how cool we are on a weekly basis. In case you forget. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, as always, for being here, Ezra and Chris. Yes. We really appreciate you joining us, Andrew. Uh, yeah, you have now. Would you like to pimp anything? Would you like to pimp your website or give just general life advice? I don't know. Uh, I 
Sure, I'll pimp my website. You can visit my website at andrewberkowitz.com. Anyway, we really appreciate you having you here, uh, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. We're sorry you have to read the rest of the book. I'm excited. It's uh, it's a light read. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. I was just tired. Yeah.